It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. Okay, let's talk about the theology of it. What is it? Come on, you know, I've I preached told, on this I know many what it times. Is, it's that, like everybody, again, I may be wrong, probably I'm wrong, but I think most of us have an it. Like if, when I get it, then I'll be happy. Yep. You know, when I was a little boy, it was a Stingray bike. I remember, oh, I'm telling my mom, i got to have this Stingray bike. Ooh, I had that, the one with the handlebars that were really oh, high. Yeah, and they had and the, the banana seats. Oh, that, I, and I never got it, so I was I never did, happy. But you it wasn't it. It didn't do it. My it was you. <laughs> If I could marry Dave Wilson, that would be it. Well, the truth is there's no it on this planet that will ever satisfy. There's something deeper, better Mm -hmm. that we're going to talk about today with Dr. Heather Holloman. She wrote a book on this. Uh, Heather, welcome back to Family Life. I'm so excited to be here. You guys are so fun. I love listening to the banter at the beginning, the bike, you wanting to marry Dave. This is great. I mean, did you did you have an it? Yes. I had a list of 10 it's. Oh, and did I, you write well, them out? I did. I called them, I, I framed it like this. It was like a table that I was waiting for an invitation to have a seat at that table. Mm. So the table with the thin, beautiful women, the table of... <laughs> You know, prestige, achievement, fame, the table of wealth, hmm. you know, the table of effective Christian ministry, whatever it is. I had 10 of them and I, I, it was really a problem for me. I was, I was turning 40. I was waiting for life to begin. I thought I'm living the wrong life. Uh, and obviously you've set up a book that you wrote called yes. Seated with Christ, Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison. Yes. I mean, as I read this. Heather, you're an unbelievable writer. You know that. I mean, maybe you don't, but I mean, it's what I do. you do. Thank you. Yes, yeah. I do teach grammar, so I do like helping people as a professor yes. at Penn State. Our that grammar's got to me, be driving you crazy. <laughs> no, no, I love it. But I'll always take a compliment about writing. That, that means a lot. And you wrote this book back when? 2015 is is when it was published. Right when I was, you know, just turning 40, so a while ago. And um, life was not going well for me. I was not mature. I was jealous. I was comparing my life to other people, comparing the lives of my children. I mean, I was really suffering. You just, I was getting depressed. You mm. just described me yes. as, as in my 30s, and I would say even 40s. Yes. And you just described a lot of women listeners right now. Because don't we do that? Yes. We compare. Uh, men do it too. Do they? The they flash. do. They do. <laughs> Oh, big time. And we cover it up maybe, but we do the same thing. Well, the tables can be even more powerful for the image of that for men. You know, where am I in the boardroom? Mm. Where am I in the company? Where Where is my seat here? And so, some people might say that's not a bad thing to be driven, to want that seat at the table. Right, right. What would you say to that? Well, I think achievement was a huge idol for me. And I, when I realized really what happened was an encounter with the Lord through Ephesians 2. And what happened when I read Ephesians 2, it, it's a beautiful gospel presentation if you haven't read it in a while. I, I reread it this morning because it's so powerful for me. But Paul says, you know, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And I remember exactly where I was sitting. It was a summer day in late July. And I just looked at that verb seated and I thought, oh, my goodness, 
you know, Paul is most likely writing from a Roman prison, and here he is imagining himself in a different reality. And my first thought was, well, seated, it's a past tense verb. Hmm. It's already happened to me. And I thought, well, here I am seated at the greatest table with the greatest king, and I'm 40 years old, and nobody has taught me what this meant. I've never heard a sermon on it. I never read a book on it. Uh, You know, I knew other theological terms, you know, that I was justified, forgiven, sanctified. Nobody used the word seated to tell me who I was. And that day is when I made the list of the tables. And I thought, um, God, the table of achievement was huge for me. And I already had a PhD. You know, how much further (laughs) could I go? You can't get much higher up Um, than that. And so if you keep reading Ephesians 2, you're going to get to the most beautiful verse in Ephesians 2.10, you've been seated with Christ, and it says, you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. And I just, at that moment, I thought, well, I'm seated with you, Jesus. You have good works prepared. My motivation is no longer to achieve. Mm -hmm. It's to abide with you and bear the fruit that you've ordained for my life. So it's like shackles came off of my heart and mind. It was such a huge transformation that the people who know me best would say, Heather, what has happened to you? You have become a different person. The jealousy went away. I was free. And I had all this energy and the sadness left. I mean, and the fear. Like I would see, this was sort of at the height of Instagram and Facebook. So imagine, Mm -hmm. you know, now it's much worse. We have, you know, TikTok and Snapchat, but You know, I was seeing endless photos of perfect families, kids involved in the nutcracker. And I'd say, oh, I didn't do dance for my children. We're suffering. You know, we didn't we we made wrong decisions or or vacate. You know, I would cry in the church bathroom. This is a true story when women would talk about their spring break plans, you know, for Aruba or they've chartered a boat. And I would cry and I'd say, where is my perfect life? Why aren't these things happening for me? And I would cry. And then. Once I understood I was seated with Christ, I found this beautiful quote from the Hayden Planetarium, and it just says, all seats provide equal viewing of the universe. And I contacted the Hayden Planetarium because something about this quote, I was like, all seats provide equal viewing of the universe. And I called the media director, and she said that when children race into the planetarium, they all race to the very front row in an arena where there are no best seats. So the museum guide has to say, children, all seats provide equal viewing of the universe. No matter where you sit, you will not miss any part of the show. And I just burst into tears because my seat was Center County, Pennsylvania. There's no fame. There's no glamorous life. There's no retail. I was like, what am I doing? And that day, it's like God opened my eyes to the beauty around me that no matter where I sit, Everyone has equal access to God's power, his peace, his joy, his provision, all of the delights, all his abundance, no matter where you are. And I can say that because Paul was most likely in chains as he wrote that verse. Mm. So he knew, like, look, picture yourself seated. He Mm. repeats it in Colossians 3 where, you know, Paul says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So I had to do that and it really transformed my life. I mean, was it something that was that quick? Did you ever fall back, you know, after knowing this truth? Yes, yes. That's actually the number one question people ask me when I speak on Seated or I'm on 
the radio. They want to know that. And the truth is I do have to re-preach it to myself often because I think Satan's primary weapon is this kind of jealousy and comparison. Because if you think about it, Eve was in paradise. Yeah. And the serpent was able to convince her that she was missing something. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought this jealousy, it keeps coming back. Um, and I call it the three A's, appearance, affluence, and achievement. Mm. So I'm going to always go back to if only I were more beautiful, if only I had more money, or if only I had more achievement. So I read, you know, I even read this morning, Ephesians 2, just to remind myself God's ordained the good works for my life. I'm already seated at the best table, you know, with the greatest king. And then the Holy Spirit applies Ephesians 2 to my heart again. And then I move on with my day, ready to bless people, ready to take my eyes off myself. I think that for me was also an incredible transformation because I know that I grew up in a very performance-oriented family. Right. right. Oh, yeah. And did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and they yeah. were really, really good at almost everything they did. And I was the youngest of four, and so I had this pressure. And my parents were amazing. They were married over 70 years. And out of a good heart, my dad would say things like, we don't try our best. We are the best. We <laughs> wow. become the best. What we a family work, motto. <laughs> we work yeah. until we are the best right. at everything that we do. And so there was this great work ethic, but there was also this incredible pressure of always having to be the best. And so as a young girl growing up, every other girl was my competition. Every other wow. What I was doing in sports, I didn't want a teammate because I was in competition, even with my own teammates. And so there was this heaviness and a burden. It's like wearing a backpack of of rocks that you're continually trying to be the best. We aren't supposed to be the best at everything. (laughs) We've been gifted in certain areas that we can live in freedom. Jesus came to set the captive free. And so I had no idea who Jesus was. And all I remember thinking was, I'm only a kid and I feel so much pressure. I'm so tired of trying to beat everyone. And I don't want to be close to girls because they're my competition. With the three A's. Yep. Appearance, affluence, and achievement. Yeah. <laughs> and so I couldn't compliment you because you're my competitor. And I remember the day, it's as I was in the Word growing in who I am in Christ, understanding my seated identity and realizing like, Oh, I've been given my own certain gifts. Yes. I've been created with a, by a God that loves me with a plan. And instead of these girls being my competition, I can love them so that they can come under, understand who they are in Christ. And I'll never forget the first time I complimented another girl. It wow. was like extraordinary for me. I love that. Isn't it the enemy who wants us to constantly be in competition? And yeah, comparison? he divides people. Yeah. And well, well, I mean, listen to right. you, Heather. I think you're, you must be a lot like Anne. Anne compliments everybody everywhere now. Yes. <laughs> we'll be walking through the yes. airport. I'm like, seriously, you're going to go over and tell that woman that she just does. It's, it's beautiful. I but love that. It's because, and I want to hear what you have to say about this, because when you understand you're seated in Christ, your identity in Christ, am I right? It leads to a freedom. Well, it does. And the image that helped me and my daughters as I was trying to understand Sita with Christ was King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table because we were watching uh, Merlin, which is, it has some scary parts, so it might not be family appropriate, but we were watching it. And at the time, um, 
you know, my daughter was crying because she couldn't find a seat in the lunchroom because the popular girls didn't want her to sit at the table with her. Mm. And I really needed an image to help her understand she was seated with Christ. And I pulled her up on my lap that day when she goes, mom, you know, she was crying. I said, you know, what's wrong? And she said, I can't find a seat in the lunchroom. And I said, look, I remember that every everyone remembers that moment when you know you're not popular. Mm. I read Ephesians 2 to her and I said, it's really hard to picture. But think of what we saw at King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And she really did get it and experience God's love for her. So much so that her senior year, her senior photo, she wore a necklace that had seated written on it as the bar. But the reason why the King Arthur image helps with what we're talking about with complimenting women not being in competition, if you remember the reason why it's a round table, do you guys remember? Mm -hmm. So no one's inferior and no one's superior. So often I'll say to people, there might be people you feel inferior to or superior to. Both are terrible. Both are self-obsessed, right? You know, so when you're seated, you can look at other women and know that in their seat in the heavenly realms, God has blessings for them and gifts for them and joy for them. And you can celebrate it because it doesn't diminish the gifts and the blessings he has for you. It's a beautiful way of living. It's a beautiful way of understanding the table. Yeah. I totally agree when you said that in your book. And we're sitting, as we interview, we're sitting at a round table and everyone has a great seat. Everyone has a great seat. But I was going to ask you, did your work ethic change? Because my, I kept working as hard as yeah. I... No, my work ethic I, I love work. changed. Right, Me but too. the motivation changed. That's it. I don't need to achieve. I just work out of an overflow of whatever it is, you know? It's, yeah. It's and I work for the king. Yes. There's something about, like, I'm working for the king. And today he has something for me. He has someone for me that I get to interact with or I get to talk to. Right. And it, it's very much, as you said, Dave, is taking my eyes off of myself. And Heather, you're praying that, Lord, who do you want me to see today? Who do you want well, me to well, talk to? Well, I wonder, to? you know, both of you are moms. We didn't have daughters. We had sons. But I think the appearance thing you're talking about it's is huge. really male as well now as, as it was is female. It, it might have been different 20 years ago. But how do you help them understand that? Oh, I'm glad I didn't have daughters. I would have failed miserably. Well, it's worse now because girls need to feel camera ready at all times Uh, because of the phones. One of the things I think of when I'm teaching my daughters about being seated with Christ is how God delivered me from my obsession with my appearance. And he did use his word. You know, I love God's word. It's Mm. You know, we learn in Jeremiah, it's like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. So think about this stronghold. It's a rock inside of you and you need God's word to really set you free. And so it was Psalm 34, 5 that God used to set me free. And it's just those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Mm -hmm. And I tell my daughter the story that when I was a young girl in college, a pastor's wife came up to me and she said, and I was really struggling. I thought I had a huge nose with pores that people could see from, you know, I was lathering on the foundation. And I, every time I walked past a mirror or a glass window, it was all checking out, you know, how bad I looked. Well, this pastor's wife comes up to me and she said, Heather, I just want you to know you have a very loving face. Now, at the time, I was like, did, did you mean are you sure you didn't mean beautiful or pretty? (laughs) She didn't. She said to me, no, when you are talking, I can see 
the love of God coming through your face. Okay, that is the best compliment I've ever received in my life. Yeah. Mm. And it began to set me free because what I thought was when I walk into a room, I can radiate the love of Christ through my face, through my eyes, through how I'm talking. It helped me take my eyes off myself. And I also tell my girls that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the way that they look is exactly how God planned in order to fulfill the purpose he has for them. And the story I tell was, you know, I always hated my nose. I was going to be someone that was probably going to get plastic surgery. And I tried every product on the market and nothing (laughs) would heal the pores on my nose. Well, the very first date I had with my husband, he wanted to say what he liked most about me. And he said, I know this is silly, but I just love your nose. I think it's so adorable. And I thought, what? I am marrying this man. What in the world? Like the thing that I hated most about myself was what God used to attract my life companion. I know I have tears in my eyes right now because, you know, someone. We we all do. That's so beautiful. The girls really do struggle. My girls do struggle. We have to remind each other. And you can't love other people if you're obsessed with your Mm. mascara. Mm. You can't. (laughs) And when you're worshiping God and overwhelmed with awe and marvel, it's hard to also think about your face and your body. So, Mm. I mean, it's hard. We we do talk about healthy living, but I have to be careful not to make it about being thin. We talk about, Mm. you know, presenting yourself, being well-groomed. But I have to be really careful that doesn't mean, you know what I mean? Yes. You probably, as women, you know, you want to look nice, but. But it, you don't yeah. want your appearance to determine your mood for the day. And right. let's, I'm going to just be real. When my pants are too tight, I put my pants on one day and they're too tight. That right there can determine my entire mood for the day. Right. Are guys like that? I don't think guys are like right. that. Yeah, yes. I think in some ways we are. I mean, yes, yesterday. I don't know if I should share this, but, you know, we're standing. Share it. I shared about my nose pores. Come on. We're standing in the bathroom, and I have my shirt off, and Ann looks in the mirror and says, you know what? Your body still looks so good. I'm like, no, I don't. Oh, God. And I literally pulled, you know, every little thing. Look Look at this. this. We're getting older. You know, I work out. I do all this stuff. And it's still just, you know, she loves me. Right. And she loves what she's looking at in the mirror. And I'm sure she sees what I see, but she still thinks it's. Beautiful, and I thought when we can look in the mirror and feel that, yeah. that's seated with Christ. Yeah, I love, I love what one of my friends would always say. We'd walk all the time. She raised three daughters. She was one of the healthiest people when it came to giving her daughters a view of the importance of looking to God and not your looks for yeah. your, yeah. just for your identity. And I'll never forget this. She said, what we should do is we glance at ourselves in the mirror. But we gaze at God. Yeah. We glance in the mirror, but we gaze at God. Psalm 27. You know, one thing I ask. Mm. There's also fun research about this, by the way, social science research about what we consider beautiful. And this is good to share with the family. When you're looking at a face, what attracts you is not beauty. It's familiarity. Hmm. So the more time you see a face, the more beautiful it becomes to you, which explains why maybe you see someone and you don't think they're cute. But two weeks later, after sitting next to them in math class, you think, oh, he is cute. It's familiarity. So the more you're looking at my face, the more you guys think I'm adorable. You because are you're adorable. Looking at me. <laughs> so, I mean, just breaking apart just the the lie of it, you know. 
And the other thing you can do in families is point out people that are deeply respected in the culture for their contributions, not celebrities. But Mm. so think about people that you really respect that you love. They're often not beautiful by the world standards. And that also helps kind of break apart the trap of it. I'm thinking about my grandmother, who I loved her. I never once thought about her looks. No. I thought about how she loved me and how she acted and how she cooked and how she smelled. Like all of those were such great memories, but there wasn't one time that I thought anything about her looks. Hmm. I love that. But Mm. she had a, uh, you said it earlier, Heather, a face of love. What did she say? Oh, the loving face. Yeah, Yeah, having a loving face. I thought when you said that, I thought, we can all do that. Yes. I mean, it isn't like a beauty thing. It's like, it's a caring thing. When people feel loved. Through your face. They look at your face and say that, Mm -hmm. I want to be around that person. That's the greatest compliment anybody could ever get. What's our application today? What do you think? Well, one of the things I would want to tell people is that it's hard to transform this mindset on your own. I really believe in the power of God's word and the Holy Spirit to give us the mind of Christ. These are deep strongholds we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so seated with Christ it gives you the perfect biblical image to picture yourself and then to constantly put the truth in front of your mind that you don't have to achieve, you can abide. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about affluence because you have access to all the riches of God's kingdom. And you don't have to worry about your appearance. Just adore the Lord and let him radiate his love through your face. Mm. And I'm thinking, too, just about the fruit of the Spirit. As we abide, abide, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are so attractive. And not only that, but they bring us incredible joy as we abide in Christ we exhibit the fruit. We produce that fruit. Don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the root. You read the book. There you go. <laughs> That's good. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at radio at powertochange.org.au. Our website is families.powertochange.org.au where you can check out articles and many other resources on marriage and family well-being. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family. Thank you.